All right. Well, if you would turn with me to the book of Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 6, starting in verse 10. We're not going to get into too many verses uh, for specific reasons, but um, that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Why don't we just have a word of prayer uh, before we get started. Father, we ask, Lord, for a holy focus around the word of God today. Father, we ask for a clarity, Lord, and an unction to speak that which you value. Lord, this treasure script, God, this treasure Bible, this word of which you've given us, Lord, help us to understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Let's start off with a little bit of the historical background of the book of Ephesians. It was known primarily to be the prison epistles. There's actually four more letters. It's not even really fair to call it a book because there were actually letters that Paul the Apostle wrote while he was in prison. Right there we can preach, given some of the content that we're going to get into the remarkable attitude, I guess, or posture, the resilient um, uh, character of Christ within Paul to give us words like these in the midst of prison is nothing short of a miracle. And really, I think, thank you, Will. You got it. I can do that, Will. Thank you, sir. What a guy, huh? Can we give Will a, a hand? <laughs> My armor bearer. No, I'm just joking. So, so charismatic. It's just a joke, guys. It's just a joke. The historical background is this, is that Paul is actually, actually, excuse me, writing this letter in prison. And, you know, for me, that really hones some things in my life personally. It really brings things to kind of an understanding of just how much my troubles and the things that I go, the hardship I suffer is so minuscule. And I hope that even in the minuscule uh, day in and day out grind of my life, I hope that at the end of the day I can have an ounce of resolve that Paul had while he wrote these epistles here in the book of Ephesians. And so it's important to note that, I think, um, just given uh, the strength and the resolve that Paul had while writing this letter. And then also we see as we pick up right in verse 10, we see that these are Paul's final words uh, to the church in Ephesus. These are his uh, final conclusions, his final thoughts. And if you're if ever teached, if you've ever preached, if you've ever done anything, you know that when you're to give your final uh, uh, summary of your 45 minutes to an hour of talk, you know that you're trying to kind of lock in within those brief words the meat and the substance, the important things of what you're trying to get to. So I think it's, it's even equally fair that we duly note these two aspects of this letter. That we understand that Paul was in prison and that we understand that right here as he picks up in verse 10 that this is his final thoughts. These are his conclusions. These are thoughts of which he's trying to instill, obviously, at this point in history, the Ephesians. But also, as we read these, we read them with that same gravity, if you would, that same matter of importance. It calls for our attention. And so let's just read here a couple verses in verse 10. It says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You know, I think for most of us, especially for me, I come to the understanding, I come to, the, to realize that I'm in a war far too late. You know, um, often the, the struggle, as Paul said in the uh, King James Version, that we, we wrestle or we struggle not against, uh, often in order for it to get my attention, that war to get my attention has to be right up my, my doorstep, you know. It has to already be wreaking havoc in my relationships. What I'm trying to say is, you know, often I can't see it coming on the horizon. It's got to be right in the middle of my affairs, already screwing up life. And I think that's very common amongst us all, that, that the realization that we actually are in a war or that we really do have an enemy comes far too late in the game. But we're left like, oh, where did this come from? But you know what I love about this, this, these passages of Scripture is I think Paul gives us a better plan. He gives us a better strategy, if you would, that, that we can actually, through the eyes of the Spirit, see things on the horizon. Now, I'm not trying to get too sci-fi here, but this isn't my language. This is the language of Paul the Apostle. He's a pretty important cat, wrote over 33 books in the New Testament. You know, saw Christ. I mean, you know, he saw Jesus. He's a pretty remarkable, resilient man. And so I think Paul gives us more of an offensive strategy rather than constantly being on the defense now, what would it be if we turned on cable and we were to see this awesome boxing match and we just saw this one guy in the corner constantly, you know, just not making any gains, not trying to throw any jabs. It'd be boring. And he'd probably get his face pummeled. And so I think that's the imagery that we get here in these couple of verses that Paul gives us an offensive strategy rather than constantly being on the defense and trying to protect ourselves. You know, I, I came to this conclusion in studying the scripture. I want to do more than just survive as a Christian. Mainly Christians today are in survival mode. It's like, how can I survive the day? I, I inspire, I desire more for my life than just to survive. That's not what I gave my heart to Christ for. I want to thrive. And th- you know, honestly, guys, thriving for me is this. It's exactly Paul's heart. In the opening uh, verse, uh, in verse 10, his heart is to encourage, to exhort them to be strong in the Lord's power by putting on the armor of God so that they can stand against the strategies of the devil. I know, I said the bad five-letter word in church. The devil. <laughs> I mean, especially in charismatic circles and churches, uh, often the idea is that we, we stay away from that name. I heard a popular preacher preach uh, recently just on this particular subject where he was like, you know, I won't even mention the devil's name in a sermon or in a service. I won't give any attention to him at all. I won't bring him up. I won't talk about him. I want to do nothing with him, and I want our service to do nothing with him. And I just, something didn't sit right with me. I know this guy. He's awesome. If I was to say his name, you'd be like, oh, but let me give you a little understanding here of what I'm talking about when it comes to this. Some scholars would say that Jesus spent most of his time teaching on hell 
and the devil than any other subject. Now, that can be debated. I give you that. I actually told my wife last night, she's like, it's heresy, it's heresy. I'm just telling you what the scholars have said. They have come to the conclusion that Jesus actually spent more time talking about hell in the devil than any other subject. Again, I do not want to go terribly sci-fi. I do not want to go Bible man on you. How many know who Bible man is? Oh my God, if you don't, don't worry about it. You're not missing anything. He's like a real cheap, cheesy version of Batman, if you would. He's, he's a Christian superhero caught in clip art. You know, he's, he's real bad CG. It's just real distasteful. It's actually embarrassing. My son digs him. I, my son loves him, and I just got a wrap in my mind around him, like, no, not Bible man, but I'm glad that he does, but often the idea, the imagery gets placed in our head that we're, we're just putting on this kind of material, you know, this kind of superhuman warrior Bible man, you know, belt, whatever, breastplates, and a sword of the spirit, which is like a glow stick on steroids. It's just entirely distasteful. And I've got to be, I gotta be honest. You, in the past, when I've looked at this scripture, I've, I'm, I'm, I, I've honestly just said, Paul, don't you think you're being a little bit over the top? I mean, don't, it's a little too much. I mean, what does it mean, Paul, to put on the armor of God? What does that look like? Does it look like Bible men? You know, but I've come to the conclusion as maturing in my walk with the Lord regardless of what you think. Um, no, uh, just joking. I've come to the conclusion that this counsel in Ephesians chapter 6 is spot on and absolutely necessary in today's culture and society where darkness is prevailing. It's, it's on every front. And I, I, honestly, back to my first words about the preacher who kind of said, no, we don't talk about the devil. You know, you know that the apostles, almost in every writing, bought, brought something up to do with the big man with pitchforks and horns? I mean, it was there. It, 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 it's, it, you can't get around it. Rather, if it was trying to expose the strategies, Paul himself, listen to this, in this verse, just in case you weren't listening, in 6.12 he says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of darkness. Mighty. Paul, the apostle, he's saying, listen, this isn't like first grade stuff, friend. This is mighty. The devil is powerful. Paul himself, in 1 Thessalonians, again, let's put this in context of who Paul is. Wrote 33 books in the New Testament, saw Christ. God used him in unusual, um, powerful ways and performed miracles through his life. This is just nobody. This is somebody in, in the church, in our history. Paul is the real McCoy friend. But Paul himself... In, I think it's uh, 1 Thessalonians, um, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Paul has a desire to want to connect with the church. And he uses these words, I want to reconnect to you. But the devil has prevented me. He has hindered me. I mean, this is Paul the Apostle. And if, and if he gives some kind of um, uh, importance to the devil's power, I think we ought to wake up. 
I'm not trying to overemphasize this bad guy. I'm not trying to give him the light and, 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 and just kind of, you know, magnify his ability and his power. But, but guys, there is an enemy. We are in a war. I don't care how you feel today. If you feel good, if you feel bad, if you feel high or low, guys, war will come. That's the awesome thing about this text is that Paul says, listen, the battle is going to come. It's going to rage. But my desire for you, Ephesus, is that you would be strong in the Lord, putting on the armor of God so that you might stand firm. Who doesn't want that for their lives? And honestly, in my life personally, there's no need to preach this message. I feel blessed of the Lord, highly favored. I feel untouchable in a way, kind of like God's wind and favor is with me. But I know that in a moment, the season can change. I know it. And so I don't want to just survive as a Christian. I want to thrive. I want to be content if I have much or if I have little. I want my song to be just as resilient if I'm down in the pit and if I'm up on the mountaintop. Come on. And that's God's desire for us. Come on. Don't get blindsided by the season. <laughs> and, and, and mainly I'm talking to maybe some of you who are in an kind of same season as me. Kind of like, this is a good season, God. Believe me, friend. It will change. If you don't believe me, look at the word of God. And you know what I don't want to happen? I don't want you to come to me after I know you're on this euphoric high and say the next day, the next minute or whatever, Daryl, I'm not doing good. I told you, listen, it's going to happen. The battle is going to wear you down. It's going to come, and we'll get into that. Is this all right? Listen, I'm not mad. I love Jesus. This is too much. I'm sorry, but it's me. <clears throat> so Paul himself, he says, listen, I've wanted to come to you, church, but the, the devil has prevented me. Uh, Peter, in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, he says, the devil is a prowling, lying, seeking those of whom he can destroy. Now, if you think he's seeking out these unsaved people... Oh, oh, Maybe he is. I would say yes. That's probably the case. But listen, the devil has an interest in destroying the seed in you, the seed of Christ, your faith, your resolve, and your walk with the Lord. It's more important, I think, to him to snuff out believers than it is to worry about people who are already deceived. He's a roaring lion. He's seeking whom he can devour. Jesus, in John 10, 10, he says, the devil is a thief. He only comes to kill and destroy. Hey, we need to wake up, I think, to the reality of just what kind of war we're in and what kind of enemy we're against. What branch of the military goes to war without knowing their enemy? It's ridiculous. I have relatives and cousins in the military and one of the first things they do are they are briefed excessively on who their enemy is before they're to go to war we need to know who we're up against that life is more than just the experience 
experiences and hardships being thrown out. Well, that's just life. It's just, it's a, it's a case of ups and downs, lefts and rights. Uh, you know, I would just submit to us this evening that I think it's far more than just the circumstances of life playing their cards. I would go to this degree that we are up against and facing, as the people of God, a constant assault the enemy. Luckily, there's a way out. Luckily, we are not just given to be beaten. I often have seen myself as a welcoming mat for the devil, just a nah, nah, whenever I want to, ooh, just wipe my feet on you, break it down. And it's not like that at all. We have no assurance at all from Scripture that the battle won't come, but we do have the assurance that we can stand firm in the Lord's power. We can stand for, what did, we can be strong. Who doesn't want that for their life? What kind of testimony is it for unbelievers to see Christians constantly up, down, left, right, happy, sad, depressed, mad? What kind of testimony is that? Forget testimony. Christ desires. It's more than just a desire. It's something he has provided for us. Come on, if my dad you know, laid up some inheritance for me. If there was something that he stored up for years, he didn't, but if he did, I am not going to want to squander what he has provided for me. I don't want to waste it. I want to walk in and take full advantage of what my father has provided for me, friend. Listen, don't be deceived by your season. Get real with yourself. Get real with your walk. And ask the Lord. Father, I know the battles are going to come, but I want to be strong in your power. I want to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. You know, Paul seems to, in these couple verses, give us, again, an offensive strategy a plan where we are defending ourselves, but we're making gains, aren't we? That's where I see Paul. I see him in the midst, in the struggle, in some prison, probably being neglected. You know, who knows what the environment's like? I, ha I don't know. But I see that him in this hard place. And I see the reality of his words through what he's facing. I, God, God, give me that resolve. Give me that kind of resolve that when I'm in prison, westernized prison, uh, whatever, you know, it's a, yeah, first world problems. But when I'm in that, that trying time, I want to have this resolve. Friend, it's God's provision for us. <laughs> I love Jesus. Listen, a defensive and an offensive strategy is needed. Don't get me wrong. But again, I, I, I don't just want to survive as a Christian. I want to thrive. And thriving for me, again, is being strong in the Lord's power. I'm going to say this over and over and over again, at least until we close. But thriving for me as a believer is being strong in the Lord's power, standing firm against the strategies of the devil. That is thriving for me. Oh, God. I mean, God could give me riches. He could give me wisdom. He could give me nice things and, and, and all these things. But nothing would really touch 
a, a real depth and longing within me than this kind of resolve at the end of battle. So two things. One is I want us to realize that we are in a war. And I want us to know who we are at war with. Don't, don't get trapped in the dangerous cycle that I was, was in where I viewed this language as over the top and sci-fi-ish. You know, it's just like, oh, we're in a war. No. Oh, this is so, so cliche and cheesy. No, it's real. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and I'm not trying to uh, be hard. This is not a hard thing. I actually am moved with such love when they do. And I really have a genuine respect. And I, I have a genuine desire to see them come to fullness and come to strength. But I, I, can't, I can't even list, you know, how many people have come to me just troubled and, 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 and feeling like their life is stuck and hard and, and they don't know what to do and I've seen some of them even give up on their walk with Jesus and it, it just saddens my heart uh, but, but again there has to be something more than just us going through these types of emotion there has to be some greater resolve if you would that God provided for us and wants to give to us and so that is my desire is that we could be delivered from being the Satan's welcome mat. You know, I'm all for inner healing. I'm all for, you know, one-on-one -on -one counseling and the love of God and, and deliverance, all those things. But you know what? I've been walking with the Lord for 14 years and I've seen people constantly in that state. I need inner healing. I, I, I need to talk. I need counsel. Wait, didn't we just talk like five days ago? What happened? It's like this treadmill. I gotta get off. It's it's like I call it I call it the the forty day syndrome, where where we constantly are walking around this mountain. Wow, that looks like the same place we were last week. Wait, where were we here again? Where were we here before? What's going on here? And there's some things, friends, that those things are important, but they're not necessarily going to provide what you need. You need to put on the armor of God, friend. I'm not yelling at you. I am trying to warn you and tell you, put on the armor of God. And you know what? The awesome thing about it, it's not just a one-time thing. For me, guys, it's constantly, it's Every day, more than every day, it's almost every second time sometimes. You know, I'm in my house, cloud nine, my honey, going to prayer. Woo, Jesus is good. Driving in my car, oh my God, I can't, what's going to happen here, Lord? How, how are you going to provide? Oh, I'm no good. What am I doing, doing what I'm doing? <laughs> and, and, and I have to come out of that mindset of doom. There's just something that inner healing is not going to provide for us, friend. There's, and it's, it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm all about sozo. But I've seen people sozoed and sozoed and gozoed and overzoed. <laughs> and they have the same baggage that they had 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And honestly, I've got to say, Father, certainly you've provided more than just this. God has 
provided for us, guys, a means to break cycles, to get out of the doldrums. Paul seems to here take the focus off of the natural, doesn't he? He seems to redirect it on the supernatural. He seems to move our eyes off the language of flesh and blood, which obviously, I mean, I go to my like brothers and sisters, obviously, that's not what he's talking about. But there's this aspect where Paul just says, listen, your wrestle is not what you think your wrestle is. You, you may think it's this, but it's not. Your warfare, no, 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 no. You're not wrestling here, friend. You're not wrestling with your friends. You're not wrestling with your pastors. You know, that's the thing I, I don't get about offended people. And people who are offended and people that are hurt. And I'm just like, dude, do you know what the real warfare is about? Like, like, listen, 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 listen. It's not between us. It's not between them. It's not what your daddy did to you 10 years ago. Although that should be discovered, healed, and prayed about, and worked through. Absolutely. But there's something far more going on behind the scenes. And Paul dramatically, I think, explains that. I mean, it is like Star Wars on steroids. Okay, some of you are looking at me like, I have five heads. I have one. I know it's not that attractive. But I'm working with what God gave me. No, I'm just... <laughs> There's something far more going on behind the scenes. There's something that Paul, I think, is trying to open the Ephesians' eyes to. And, and most likely, most likely it's more than just some kind of revelation that he is trying to put across or instill in the church of Ephesus. Most likely, he's being inspired by the very thing he's in right now. Most likely, what's driving him is the environment and Roman guards just passing to and fro, the lack of food, the neglect, the neglect being neglected, you know, whatever it might be. I've never been to prison, hope I never go. But if I do, you know, maybe I can have a better context. That was a joke. You can laugh. Christian's joke's gone wild. So Paul is talking right out of his experience that he's facing. And he, well, essentially, guys, the big idea here, and I'll say it again, is that the wrestle and the battle that we are in isn't the result of life dealing us a bad hand. Unfortunately, the real enemy is often overlooked and consequently makes out like a bandit, bandit leaving behind his devastation. You know, there's a tendency in all of us to mistake who the enemy really is. I mean, you look at marriage, for example, right? If there's contention, if there's strife in the marriage, often the outcome is both parties going back and forth. <laughs> and those who aren't married, I'm sorry if you can't relate, but you will one day. Both parties going back and forth um, on what needs to change about the other in order for there to be peace, rather than considering or even merely entertaining the thought that the cause of strife could be the handiwork of Satan. You know, and that's kind of just like the, 
for me, a married man, that's, that's kind of the way I see it. So there's this strife going on, and there's this back and forth, this back and forth discourse of trying to explain each other and trying to get each other to understand one another. And all the while, just strife is building. It's not getting anywhere. And, and, and I just see the enemy laughing. I see him doing exactly what he's planned to do. And, and again, I know that this can sometimes be over the top, this kind of lack language, especially in America. I think the church is so inoculated. You know, it just... There's this, there's this blindness when it comes to spiritual matters, but God, I believe in his grace, wants to wake us up. The battle will come. Ephesians 6.13, let's read. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Now focus in, in the NLT, it says, then after the battle, then after the battle, you will be able to stand firm. Then after the battle, there's this assurance that Paul gives us that the battle will come. <laughs> he doesn't say put on the armor of God and hopefully the battle will stay away from you or the war will stay away from you. That hopefully you won't have to wrestle. Hopefully you won't have to struggle. No, he says, listen, after the battle. See, the, the real crux of this text is that Paul is saying it's not necessarily the battle that's the matter of importance. It's what happens after? Where are you after? Where are you left after? What is your resolve? What is your character? The battle will come. Yes. Yes, it will come. But what? What will be the outcome? And I have to say many times in my personal battles, the outcome has not been so great. For me, my personal testimony, man, I spent a lot of time not even noticing, not even recognizing, not even having the humility to say, God, there's something far more going on here, God. I don't know what to do. And I've, I've, I, can, I can honestly tell you today, guys, in my own personal testimony, there's been many times of where I've lost so many years because I was unwilling to put the armor of God and to realize oh my goodness there's an enemy he's trying to get me this isn't bad fox three little pigs this is real this isn't some snow white you know Disney movie this is a real powerful spiritual being who seeks to kill us is that too over the top? Is that too much? I'm sorry if it is. But I mean, I feel it within my spirit. Why? Because I've experienced it. I've experienced the constant assault of Satan in my life. And meanwhile, just camping out in pride. You know, personal testimony. Me and Bethany, a couple years before we were married, spent a long time, unfortunately, in courtship at the time. That's what we called it. I'm not sure about the biblical... Theological, you know. I don't know where I don't know where Corden came from. Obviously, I think John Piper blew a hole in it, said it's entirely unbiblical. So, anyways, but at the time, years ago, uh, uh, it was the thing. It's what we call dating. It was the Christian version. You 
you know, honestly, guys, honestly, what happened to me was that what should have took a very short time, what should have united me and Bethany's heart together and brought us closer to the day of marriage, because of my pride and unwillingness to see the strategy of the devil, as Paul says. Am I saying the devil too much? Feels like I am. Because of my unwillingness and my pride, see, I was doing the Christian thing. <laughs> there was nothing that from my understanding or my eyesight, if you would, or what I saw naturally, there was nothing to say, no, there's no battle going on. I was traveling, opening for um, well-known Christian artists. I was in the worship, uh, uh, you know, thing. I was just, I, I, you know, I don't know if I was... Uh, I felt like I was ready to take off and somebody was going to notice me. We're just in a real heightened season of God's favor. I was ministering. I was praying for people. I was preaching. I was doing the whole thing. But man, if I was really honest in the times that Bethany came to me about where I was personally, where I was in my walk with God, I probably would have been able to escape years of hardship and a 13 14-year dating courtship experience. Yeah, that bad. Thank God she waited. But I was... Yeah, I know. Wow. I know. I know. It's really, I think we told, um, we did 40 days with IHOP and there was a young couple uh, that was in uh, a dating relationship and um, actually a lot of them came because Bethany was sharing at IHOP a lot those days and um, <clears throat> I think she shared a little bit of her story but we had friends like Jesse Angle and other people sharing our story for us and so when these IHoppers came, 400 of them, they're like, hey, you're Daryl Temple? <laughs> you're like the man who waited? Like for like 12 or 14 years for Bethany? And I'm like, well, I don't know if it was quite that. I, was, I don't know if you'd really say that was waiting. <laughs> you know, I was kind of in a funky place. It was more of like backslidden, you know, in waiting, if you want to call it that. So there's a rumor mill was spreading of this remarkable man who is like saving his life for his beloved. <laughs> the story of Christ. <laughs> That wasn't the, that wasn't what was going on at all. That wasn't what was going on at all. No, no, no. And I remember Bethany coming to me many times and saying, Daryl, something's changed in you. And I remember her getting dreams and visions of demonic things going on in my life. But I was so prideful and so bent that, no, I am fine. I am the Lord's anointed. Did you see? Did you hear that worship service? You th you're telling me that I have something going on in my life that's unholy? Did you, did you hear what I just preached? Did you hear the reaction of the people? And I became blinded and stubborn and prideful, unwilling to really notice that I was in a battle. I was in a struggle. I was in a wrestle for my life spiritually. 
And I knew it as an individual. I knew it. And I was, I was trying to protect myself. I don't know why, because probably would have been the best thing for me just to say, yes, you were right. And it wasn't just Bethany. It was other people. And I was just so unwilling to, to be honest and, and to kind of open my heart and say, yeah, I am struggling. I knew, friend, I knew what was going on behind the season, the, uh, the, the, the uh, shutters, if you would, or behind the curtains when nobody's seeing me lead worship, when nobody's seeing me preach. I knew. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it because of pride. I couldn't get to that place of honesty and say, yes, I am warring. I couldn't understand how, God, how can I be warring in the midst of such glory? How can I be going through this in the midst of you using me? I don't, I don't have any idea. You know, the gift and the call is without repentance. That means you can do virtually what you want, how you want it. God can use you. Meanwhile, you are deceived about your own personal condition. And God has much more for us, friend, than just my story. And honestly, it wasn't me waiting. It wasn't me trying to wait for my beloved. It was me struggling. Bethany discerning. And in her heart, she's like, Daryl, I, I can't. I cannot move forward with you. And thank God that she didn't. Because it would have been a short time. We probably would have been divorced. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm being entirely honest with you. All right, couples, you don't need to laugh. <laughs> But it was good. It was it's, it's what was needed. And, and, and I, I, I guess I say this just to um, try to help us that if you are in a season like I was, if my testimony here kind of touches some point or some place in you, I want to encourage you to start to take aggressive action, not only just putting on the armor of God, but confessing your sins to others that you might be healed. So Paul assures us in 6.13 of Ephesians that the battle will come. The real question is after its duration, what will be the outcome? Will we be found standing firm in the Lord's power? You know, what we take away from the epistles is the understanding that the battle is inevitable. It will come, but Paul's prayer for these churches, and it wasn't just Ephesus, it was Colossians, it was the Philippians, it's, it was many of these writings. His desire is that they would be strengthened by God's power, putting on the armor of Christ for the sole purpose of standing firm against the strategies of the adversary. And who, what better example do we see than that which is in Christ? <laughs> What better example do we see this even in Paul himself? A man who stood under the weight of pressure. The man who stood under the weight of delusion, confusion, and, and, and sin, but yet could remain solid in the strength of God's power. I want that for my life. If you would, quickly, and we'll close here. Is everybody all right? Good. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Let's turn to 1 Peter 5, 8, and we'll close here. 1 Peter. I like the way Peter puts it. That's 1 Peter 5. 
starting in eight. Listen to the language that he uses here. He says, stay alert. That's awesome. Stay alert. I think that's the main problem for most of us, for me. You know, other translation says, stay sober. Stay clear. Stay watchful. How many of us are staying watchful? How many of us are, are alert within our spirits? I love this language. He goes, stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, for your great enemy, the devil. Watch out, Peter. And at the right time, he will, I'm sorry, no, I'm going backward. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. <laughs> Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God calls you to share in his eternal glory by the means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, <laughs> he will restore, support, strengthen, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever and ever, amen. Peter, couldn't be put any, any better way. You know what? Honestly, guys, there's, there's nothing but love in my heart. Um, and I've walked a million miles um, suffering, I guess, blindly, foolishly, under the heavy hand of the strategies of the devil. And I just believe that God has something far better for us, far better for us. And I guess I would just say this in closing. What are you up against today? You know, what's your wrestle you know, what are you wrestling with? What are you battling with? And are you open to the fact that this is more than just life playing itself out? You know, that it's just a, it's just a, you know, series of ups and downs. It's like a, I often say this, it's like a roller coaster ride for the Christian, right? It's like one, you're up high and like, whoa, yeah, whoa. And you can see that when you meet with Christians, you can just see this constant Influx, this constant up and down, turning over sideways, tailspin. The Bible says that, hey, what is it? It's uh, actually, I think Paul, he says, um, an unrighteous person is unstable in all their ways. Now, I'm not a double-minded man, excuse me, an unrighteous person. Although I'm sure if you study it, it would happen. But anyways, a double-minded man is... Um, is unstable in all his ways. And you know, I don't get condemned under that language, especially when I am wrestling with double-mindedness. <laughs> I mean, who just wrestles with double-mindedness? It's like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, I have faith for this. Oh my God, how are we going to do this? Honey, I love you. You know? Abram! <laughs> Son, you're the best thing that ever happened to me. And life can play out like that, can it? And, 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 and we can see that in our life, the double-mindedness, double-mindedness, excuse me, the result is feeling unstable. How many of us feel unstable? How many of you feel unstable? I've come to tell you that God has something more for you. He wants to uh, bring you stability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
as a mighty fortress, a place of which he could run to when the enemy comes in. Oh, give us that tenacity. Give us that vision, God, that we're just not a welcome mat, that we are just not given to double-mindedness, but God can focus us. And under the oppression, in the middle of war, we can run to the tower that is higher than I. We can stand on the rock of which our, is our firm foundation. That is my desire, and I believe that is Paul's desire. Again, guys, I'm not trying to give us hype. The battle will come. That's the ballast. That's what balances this whole thing. It's not some kind of charismatic hype when you know that you cannot prevent the war. Because or you cannot you cannot just say or wish it to go away. It won't go away. It will come. <laughs> but yeah, lead us to the rock. Lead us to the rock, God, that at the end of my struggle, at the end of my battle. Jesus, find me standing firm. Honestly, guys, it's the resolve of Job. That's who it is. It's Job's life. It's, it's just the picture of this man who on all fronts was devastated. The devil took away from him, killed his family. He suffered greatly, but at the end, he would not curse God as the devil presumed. Guys, I love you. I love you with a holy love. <laughs> and my desire for Hilltop Church is this, is that we would be a group of believers standing firm, being strong in the Lord's power in the midst of the battle. How, how many, raise your hand if you want that. Come on, I want that. Jesus, help us, help us, God. Just keep your hands raised to heaven. Father, we pray, God, that as your word gets on the inside of us, as we and understand, Lord, these stories, God, that there would be such a transference, God, such a impartation, a resolve within us, God. Lord, to stand firm, make hilltop, make us as a people, a, a, a strong people in the Lord's power. Make us a people who understand that we are in a war, but God, that after the war, we might be found standing firm against the enemy's strategies. Not cursing God, not blaming man, not wrestling against flesh and blood, but understanding just who the real enemy is. God, we pray that for our community. We pray that for this church. And Jesus, we ask by your grace, would you do it? Would you do it? We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, well, that concludes my message. Um, <laughs>